Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. By Riverside. Welcome back to episode 83 of the Backside Ground Balls podcast. My name is Trevor Powers, and I am joined as always with my co host, Dan Galati as well as our producer, Phoebe. So, ton of good baseball this weekend. I would be completely lying to our listeners if I said I was completely locked in on MLB baseball across the league. Squeeze play is just what a phenomenal investment ESPN decides to make. The only disappointment that we have as a podcast is it is behind a paywall with the ESPN Plus. You know, it's it's rich people things, you know. Um, so it is disappointing that not everybody gets to enjoy the fruits of squeeze play, but when you can kick your feet up 12 o'clock Sunday today hits, I turn my TV on and it's still running right now in the living room with just six games across the board. It's glorious. So in this episode today, we're going to talk a little bit about college. We're going to talk a little bit about MLB. Our allegiances were split. Our focuses were split across the baseball world. We do cover both. So, Dan, what do you think about putting all of it in just one episode? I love it. Let's let's get it done. So, since you're since your um, lower class mentality and can't afford some squeeze play, <laughs> we're balling what, on a what, budget, <laughs> dude. Like, come on. <laughs> What are what are some things that have stood out to you? I, I got I got a couple thoughts, but I want to hear some of the things that have stood out to you um, in the games that you've been able to watch. Well, I think it's been a little bit surprising. Um, the host teams haven't really rolled as you might expect. It hasn't been chalk, which has made it even more exciting to watch. I mean, let alone the couple host schools that have got bounced early, um, or uh, Oklahoma State, sorry, um, exits early, Clemson exits early. Um, but just even, even so some of these host schools that have had to, you know, now win two games going into the regional championship. I think that's been the most surprising, man. If you love baseball, like I've, I've, 
I've been saying it all year. I'll be completely silent. I missed the boat on college baseball. When I was in it, the last thing I wanted to do was go home and watch more college baseball. But now that I'm out of it, like, it's great. It's so much fun to to turn this on. This weekend's been absolutely incredible. And honestly, I'm kind of sad that we're going to narrow it down to 16 next weekend. We got less games. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, and the parody of the sport this year, it's, it's very interesting because Peter and I talked about it. We had talked about it throughout the course of the year that, you know, if we were to see any mid-major team make a run at it, and take it all the way to a championship like we saw when Fresno State won really early in our lifetime. That was pre-BB core. Um, that was that was balloon ball era in college baseball. And then obviously in more recent times, we saw Coastal Carolina go all the way to a national championship. I thought there was a good chance this would be the year. And there are some mid-major teams that are playing just phenomenal baseball. I mean, DBU, they might've dropped game one against Washington, but they look like an absolute factory right now. They are, they put up 18 runs yesterday and they didn't slow down very much today on Washington. So they're a fun team to watch. And then just across the board, I think just great baseball. Like you said, the hosts are not dominating. And I think that's where the parody has come in outside of wake forest. Every host has had a couple hiccups. I think Virginia has been pretty dominant in their regional Vanderbilt's going to has three outs from elimination, Oklahoma States eliminate already. Indiana State's gone, you know, had two very close games. Arkansas's in the loser's bracket. They just got absolutely torched today by TCU. Um, and we can keep going across the board. Coastal Carolina came from the loser's bracket. South Carolina has been pretty convincingly dominant um, as a host there in a pretty good regional. Florida's in the loser's bracket. Clemson's eliminated. Auburn's eliminated. Kentucky's had some close ones. They came from the loser's bracket. They got to win two against Indiana tonight and then tomorrow. LSU is currently down to Oregon State. Stanford oh, had a, has – they're up now. Okay, so they just took the lead against Oregon State. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. So Stanford came, they lost to Texas A&M. Miami's just about to get eliminated by Texas. Texas is up pretty big. Alabama's in the winner's bracket, but they've played some close ones, had to have a comeback against Nichols and Boston College. And then last but not least, Wake Forest has just been the number one team in the country. 44 to 7. This is their plan. They're in the they're through six innings in their um third game of their regional, and they've outscored their opponents 44 to 7. Um, you know, everyone there's an SEC bias. It's clear we talked about it. There's eight host teams. Um, people were were arguing that Florida should be the number one team over Wake because of strength of schedule. They play in the better conference. We sat here on Thursday night and talked about how Wake Forest as a number one seed didn't get a very you know, they didn't get any help with the regional, the teams that were there. Like, I still believe that Northeastern's a good team. Maryland's a good team. George Mason was riding a high from winning the A-10. They've obviously pushed them, pushed it to the um, regional championship out there in Winston-Salem. But Wake Forest is just obliterated teams. And you tweeted it out from the account the other night. They rolled their, their four-starter out. Game one against Mason, he's punching out 12 guys, or double digits at least. I think he ended up with 12. I, I mean, they 12, were Rhett yeah. Louder last night against – scary offense especially in that ballpark in maryland he carves them up i mean they got hartle throwing right now against george mason they're up 11, yeah, he's got 10 6. plus k's yeah i mean it, this team looks like it's as it's funny because you you're, you're right on and as much parity as there is throughout the nation right now and these mid-majors and you see all these hosts who are, are fighting an uphill battle and some getting eliminated 
I don't know. The number one team in the country is looking to part <laughs> for, yeah. for everyone else out there. Florida wanted to be the one seed. They thought they were deserving and sure the, the regular season resume sure was impressive, but Wake Forest is making it known that like they are not messing around. They are the best team in the country. And, and right now, like they, they certainly look like the odds on favorite. Yeah, no, they've, they've looked great. That offense put, I mean, Maryland's pitching is nothing to, to applaud, but 21 runs on a veteran starter that's had a lot of big games in the Big Ten and Nick Dean. Um, and then coming out today, Mason's been playing good baseball. Yeah, they're in the depths of their bull. Like, that's sure. no questions asked. Like, that's understandable, 11 runs. But still, we've seen so many teams have hiccups. This is a team that is, I, I hate to use the term immune, but in terms of what their strengths are, they're immune to hiccups. They have good matchups against teams like Northeastern, who's really good, Maryland, who's really good, and they didn't play Northeastern, but just the whole of the regional, you look at it, and you're like, man, that's tough. And then they just go 3-0 and in dominating fashion, and it's not even like a question. Well, in this time of year, like I hate, I hate when you get to – I hate when you do it anyway – all year round, people love to do it, but especially in the postseason when people put qualifiers on things, oh, they haven't had to play anyone, you know, you know, and you could, right? Like you say that, like going in, when you look at it on paper, it's like, yeah, George Mason, but you still have to go out there and do it. And you still got to do it yeah. with all the pressure on you. You still got to do it. It's a postseason atmosphere. You see it in every sport at every level. People step up, people, you know, get tight in these situations. So you still have to go out and execute this time of year, no matter what, you know, to me, there are no qualifiers this time of year. Like, you go out. I don't care what mate, what guy Mason's on. You got to go out and do it. You still got to go out and hang eleven on them and not give the momentum of pushing it to a seventh game. And they've done that. Like this is, I, they've looked great and, and and you know all around. Again, you see it right. You see, like Oral Roberts is the four seed. Pat on my back. I picked them to win that regional, and they're sitting there undefeated in in the in the championship, waiting for for the rest of that regional to shake out. So like you still have to go out and compete. This time of year, I don't really care. It doesn't, you know, it's such a cliche throughout the record books, but it's true. Like you go, like when, when this time of year rolls around, you, it's all about execution and who can get the big hits. And are you hitting with runners in scoring position? Vanderbilt's in the ninth inning, getting ready to get eliminated by Xavier. They're two for 18 with runners in scoring position in this regional. They're the most talented team in that regional, but you go two for 18 this time of year with runners in scoring position, you're not winning your regional, right? Mm -hmm. No, not at all. And and the thing that impresses me the most about Wake Forest is like you look at this LSU team and they have so much expectation, right? Like they yep. and you can feel the expectation, you can feel the pressure. And sure their offense shows up, but I and I want to get your opinion on this. I want to talk through it. Um but the Wake Forest team doesn't play with pressure, it feels like. Like, you know how, like, George Mason's playing with house money. That's why they just beat Maryland. That's why they take Maryland to the pole. They end up walking them off in the bottom of the ninth. And, like, Maryland's the more talented team. There's no doubt about that. Matt Shaw, Nick LaRusso, Petrus is just a massive human being all the way down. Kevin Keister's hit nine for him with a 300 average and 10 home runs, right? Like, that's how good Maryland is. But... George Mason has nothing to lose and Wake Forest is playing like they have nothing to lose for a team that has been the number one team for the last five, five to seven weeks. And that's, what's the most impressive thing. And, and to kind of circle back on the pitching thing, you mentioned Seth Keener taking the ball on, on Friday evening, punching out 12 as, as Wake Forest's midweek guy uh, through the course of the year. And 
That brings up the conversation of LSU's decision to throw Paul Skeens against the 19 and 42 lane, two lane green wave. And I mentioned it several times, right? Like momentum rivalry, like, yes, you throw Ty Floyd, Ty Floyd struggles to throw strikes. Your offense doesn't show up, whatever it is like, yeah, Paul Skeens start day is win day, right? And LSU, their offense knows that they play a more relaxed brand. Everybody's more relaxed. But if you're not confident enough to beat Tulane with Ty Floyd, Thatcher Hurd, or anybody, you, you probably aren't getting really through what's come out to be a pretty tough regional. I mean, Sam Houston and Oregon State can both swing the bat. And if you can't push Paul Skeen's day back to face the two seed, which would be Oregon State, he would be pitching right now. Like, that doesn't bring me much confidence to think that you're getting through an eight eight team Omaha, let alone getting there. You got to get there first. Well, I, I, I think it is. It's fascinating to think about it. And I think when you, when you see the fact that they, they went with schemes in that first game, I think that's Jay Johnson not hiding from the fact that they've had pitching issues all year. You know, those guys haven't performed up to, you know, standard and up to what you would expect out of the talent level. And, and they've been decimated by injuries, which again, I don't, I don't like, throwing out qualifiers that way either in the postseason because you have to get the job done no matter what. But they have, right? They, they have had so many injuries on that pitching staff, and that put them behind the eight ball, and they've had to go out there. It's funny, as you were talking, Oregon State ties it at five, so now that's 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. And look, they're looking at being potentially bounced into the loser's bracket of that regional, and that's – With no know, pitching. They're pitching their number right. three starter in Correct. relief after the rain delay. Correct. Where do they go from here? Right. And quote, um, you know, quote – Every time I see Ty Floyd throw a pitch, he throws a ball, unquote. I think that's what you said before we started recording here tonight. And like that, you know, you're exactly right. Like that's, you know, they're in in trouble in this regional because of that. And I think Jay Johnson was throwing schemes out there because he wanted to set, you know, he wanted to set the tempo. And I get that. And I understood what he was doing. You know, you let your horse go. They also clearly, I think the other thing that people didn't realize is you saw how many pitches they had him throw. He threw 124. He gave Paul Skeens the ball that day and said, the only way we're winning this regional is if we don't need to use a reliever today. Yeah. We need Mm -hmm. all hands on deck to get through the rest of this thing. So, big boy, you go out there and you take game one and you take the full 27 outs for us. And we'll, we'll, that'll put us in the best position to win. And those are the decisions you have to make as a coach. And and then you kind of hope that the rest of the you, – you can manage your way through it and some guys step up. And look, Oregon State's a 40-win team. So you can't just expect to go – Who can hit. Out, who can hit. And the weather delay really hurts them. But then the flip, just to go back to Wake Forest real quick, what you're talking about, they're not looking like they're playing with pressure. And I think, one, when you have a pitching staff that talented this time of year, you know, it's always so funny to me. I was actually trying to explain this to my wife. My wife heard one of the announcers today say that pitchers are athletes too. Um, and she said, are pitchers not? And I said, well, the running joke in baseball is that pitchers aren't athletes. And, and in college baseball especially, everybody hates the pitchers, right? They stand around. They don't do anything, yada, yada. But, like, they're the most important part. Like, good pitching typically yeah. beats good hitting. And you deep need the Deep pitching horses. too. Deep pitching, yeah, right. It, it, it's huge, deep pitching. And when you have guys for Wake who are going to take the ball and they're going to set the tone, and no matter what, no matter what offense they're playing against, those guys aren't scared of anybody. Maryland, again, we talked about it. That's a dangerous offense. Brett Lauder goes. He's one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in the country. He goes out there and carves them up. And then you look at that lineup. You want to know why they're not playing with pressure? Well, Tommy Hawk and, and Nick Kurtz and Brock Wilkin and Justin Johnson, and it's just like on and on and on. And then 
you know, Danny Corona is going to go big fly out of the seven hole. Adam Cessary hits eighth, who, you know, I, I'm really impressed with Cessary. I, I really like his makeup and, and the type of player is he's going oppo taco the other day. So you just look at it in the way the deck is stacked for Wake. Like they're not playing with any pressure because I think they have just a clubhouse full of dudes who are so singularly focused on winning. They have a bunch of arms who go out there and they set the tempo. I said it on Thursday. You need to have the better start typically to win this time of year. And every time out, they feel like one through four. They're gonna be they're gonna have the better start, except for again, a handful of guys maybe in the country, but their one matches up against those teams' ones. So it doesn't matter for them. And LSU, like it's kind of sad because this is this was the most talented team. This was the team that was number one. And then just the pitching issues just started to creep in. They started to creep in, and then the injuries started to pile up. And now you look at it and and look, if they lose this game to Oregon State, I don't know how they get out of I don't know how they get out of the regional. No, they're fighting. They, like, even if they do win this game, I don't think it's set in stone that they, they just win one more Christian Little, most likely. And, right. and again, that's what we talked about even when we had Leah on a couple months ago was like, your one Thatcher Heard Christian Little getting hot. Kumar Rocker's freshman year, like, he got hot the right time and he pitched his, their way all all the way to Omaha, like national championship Omaha. Like you, if Christian little comes out tomorrow and is the Christian little, that was a projected first or second round pick out of high school, wouldn't be surprised. And then if he can carry that momentum, that's a really good piece to have. That That is the most important piece to have really is to have that depth. But you know, when you talk about I, like Jay Johnson had like the feel that I had about Tulane, like, when they said that they were starting Paul Skeens, like Jay Johnson had to have the same feel, right? Like he's sitting there in his office going, talking to to Wes Johnson going, I can see it right now. We're down three to two to Tulane in the bottom of the seventh and our crowd is getting feisty. If we don't get the tone center out right. there and, and let him take the ball. And it's so funny that because it was a running joke for me, but like to me that screamed like, no, like this is what we think we need at this point in time, and and I it, it's really interesting and and the Wake Forest thing, like super impressed. We're obviously huge fans of the Demon Deacons and and what they've done, and you know Seth Keener is just like I saw him live last weekend at the ACC tournament, and like Colin pitched on Fridays for them as a junior. And Seth Keener reminded me a lot of Colin in college. Like that's how good this kid is pitching on midweeks. And you wonder why they go 47 and 10 and don't slip up at all. Like they dropped conference games. That's it. It's because you're rolling out a guy who got drafted from Wake Forest and was an ace at one point in time. And like Seth Keener looked like a clone of, of Colin 92 to 94 great slider, like getting a ton of swing and miss on both pitches. It's like, like I literally was like, I feel like I'm watching Colin, but in 2023 and that's how good this kid is that he's now pitching on Tuesdays for them. And you're confident enough to send him out there against a four seed and know that you're still going to win. Not to mention that he's rolling out there all year against other midweek arms. Like yeah. They're throwing other and then it's like, like Oh, Brock Wilkin so and Nick Kurtz, like just go, hit a couple bombs and we'll win. Guaranteed. And again, the pressure that, that the, the pressure, and I don't care what anyone says. It's so true. When the pressure that it relieves of your offense, when you have a starter going out there and it doesn't feel like 10 to win. And you can't tell me that that's not happening at LSU a little bit. Some teams can win. Like we're seeing South Carolina in their regional out hit their pitching woes, right? Cause they're not deep on the mound. 
they've struggled they struggled specifically down the stretch in in ACC play especially but they're out they've seemed to just be able to out hit it here in the regional and that lineup you know Raylan Wimmer coming alive in this regional is exactly what the doctor ordered down there in Columbia and that's been huge for them that's what you need to have happen if you're not going to be able to be deep on the mound this time of year and that's tough because again like if, mm-hmm. if you think as an offensive player the second you see runners in scoring position and you know like I need to get him home because this we can't you know we can't miss this opportunity to score because we're not going to continue to be able to keep them at bay because we just don't have the arms guys know that they're not stupid LSU know like why do they blow out everyone when Paul Skeens is on the mound because those guys are loose in the box because they know that like I don't have to hit a six run home run right now because they're not scoring today because Skeens is on the mound I'm like there is a direct correlation between why ace pitchers unless you're Jacob DeGrom with the Mets for whatever reason there's a direct correlation with with you know why aces win so much especially at the college level because college kids they see it they know that's our guy on the mound we're relaxed because they're, you know, I'm not putting extra pressure on myself because we don't need to score a million today. And then you end up, that's when you do put up double digits. Even defensively though, when it's like, like, again, like Ty Floyd, like I said, like I'm watching squeeze play and every time I peep the LSU thing and he's on the mound, it's bases loaded and he's too low on a hitter and he's got great stuff. And, and it really turned the South Carolina outing. He lost his zone and he really hasn't found it very much since. And just defensively, it's just like, come on like the pace of the game everything it just it compounds and it's it's really hard to recover on you know both sides of the ball um offensively and defensively errors start to creep up things like that because focus is just a little bit more difficult to stay locked in and and the last thing i'll point out here is tennessee's obviously in a pretty good position to advance to a super regional um, I think as it stands right now, their matchup in that super regional is going to be beneficial to them. Auburn's already been eliminated. Um, looks like it's going to be the winner of Southern Miss and Penn. Penn Southern Miss is going to have to beat Penn twice over tonight into t- tomorrow, um, I believe, unless the rain delays push both into tomorrow. Don't know exact answers on that. Um, but Tennessee, we talked about it all year. Get this team hot. Get this team going. And really, it wasn't even them. Like they were down to their last strike, and Clemson was going to be in the winners bracket. Zane Denton for the it, this has been like the fourth time it feels like that Tennessee's been down to their last strike. Um, which sometimes those teams are teams of destiny. Um, goes three run Jack goes up five four. They blow the lead in the ninth. They go ten innings strong. End up walking winning in uh, the thirteenth, I believe, and then. Clemson slips up, you know, sleepy. They probably didn't get in a bed. Like, you know, all those guys are crushing bangs at like 11, 15, thinking they're playing till two in the morning. Gotcha. Game ends at 1135 and all that. Nobody goes home and gets a good night's sleep. And then you got to be back at the park at 10 a.m. So like, and then sleepwalk through Charlotte nips you. Next thing you know, you're out. Your season's over um, as the four seed. And and that's that's going to be an interesting thing to follow is Tennessee. And and I, I think their path to Omaha is easier than we thought. Well, I think, you know, just to, to recap a little bit here, when you – we are still talking about college kids. And when you looked at the the adverse effects that was going to have on, on either team, the winner and loser of that game last night, you know, the momentum and, and the feeling of, yeah, we are the team of destiny. This is ours of winning that game to go into the championship and be the undefeated team. 
you win that game in extras, the momentum that gives you. And then to be the loser, like you said, to then have to turn it around early in the morning. Again, college kids. So they're probably not every guy on that roster was over that loss, right? They were still feeling that loss for sure. Um, going going into today's game against Charlotte. And, and that's what happens. Charlotte sneaks up and gets you. And like you said, you know, now Tennessee kind of has a path here. And, and to give you the Southern Miss or Penn, I, like, man, back at Rocky Top, where people didn't think that was going to be a possibility, you don't think that place is going to be on fire. You're going to be you're going to be chest painted there. I'm sure you got your flight booked. You're going to be singing Rocky Top and overalls and nothing underneath. Like that place is going to be electric. That place can be on fire. Like as much as you know, I don't love the University of Tennessee as a fan. Like they care. Those fans care about the sports there, and that place is going to be electric. And now they're going to be able to walk into it. And, and and it's just huge, and it's a shame for Clemson, who was one of the hottest teams. A lot of people didn't think it was going to happen, but, you know, that's what makes this time of year so awesome. That Zane Denton home run, stuff like that makes this time of year so awesome. I have I know we want to get into Major League Baseball a little bit, so I just got two quick questions for you before we go. Answer them in whatever order. One, what did you make of the Cam Camarella uh ejection because that hurt a little bit too to to not have him yeah, today right. he Charlotte. hit th- he had 380 on the year with, with That's power what I'm saying. Like, so yeah hurts. i wanted to know what you had on that and then two i think it's kind of interesting you got tcu sitting in the championship for the fayetteville regional and they'd be matched up against what looks like probably an indiana state team they're up eight six um and i haven't gotten to see them much this weekend because of course espn if you don't have ESPN Plus, you weren't going to see Indiana State this weekend because they're not going to put them on any of the, the bigger networks. So I'm kind of interested in that that corner of the bracket there, what you think if it, if it is TCU and Indiana State because I think a lot of us saw, thought Arkansas would come out of there and now Indiana State kind of looks like you're in the driver's seat. How easy is their path now to, to Omaha and, and um, also the, the ejection? Yeah, so first I'm going to complain about um... – you messing up my segue. That's what I was hoping for. Per, per usual, um, you were talking about how I got my tickets. So I'm gonna be down at at, uh, at the at the Tennessee game down in Rocky Top, and I was gonna talk about our sponsors at SeatGeek, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, and and how I got my tickets to go to Tennessee on SeatGeek, but again, twenty dollars off your tickets. Um, but we'll talk about SeatGeek in a second. First off, the ejection, multiple things. I don't know. I, I always like to preface this. I don't know what was said. I, I, you know, like that's one thing like that. The second base umpire is standing right there and we all have imaginations. We've all hung out with college age males. You could pencil in some different things that could be said that get you ejected. There's a five letter word. I'm sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought too. Was my first instinct was him just walking by and just letting him have that one. But who knows? Like to get ejected, you have like I know umpires jump the gun sometimes, but to get ejected in that situation when you're both going back to your dugout, you probably said something you shouldn't have, right? Fair. Fair. So do yeah, I no, think I, I, in a situation where both guys are going their separate ways in the 13th inning of a high intense game that like emotions are high enough for college kids already, then you throw in 
10,000 people screaming their heads off, all wearing orange and just the emotion of that. Hey, boys, let's calm it down. We uh, Do you guys want to stick around? You guys want to stick around? All right, let's head back to our dugouts, right? Like, if I'm the umpire, like, right. you guys want to finish this game? You just remember it's a one game or if you're out, like, let's go. Come on. We got a lot of baseball to play. Like, that's how the umpire should have diffused this situation. But also, the rules of college baseball. We saw the kid from Indiana get ejected for bringing a chain out of the dugout when a kid hit a home run in a regional game against the Unbelievable. host. Right. So like the crowd's going nuts. You you just came out the dugout. You got your chain prop and you get wrong. So like I'm going to disagree with that ejection and I'm going to disagree that the umpires have too much, too much to control. Right. The, the NCAA is in their ear about limiting celebrations for whatever reasons. I've never seen a kid get eared for for a celebration. I haven't like no. Drew no. Gilbert threw his bat up to the moon. And it's with so a grand common. Slam. Anyone would yeah. feel isn't like, yeah, sure, you know, pitchers get butt hurt, but no one's getting no one's getting domed. No, we haven't seen anybody get domed on purpose no. for, for a celebration no. ever. So I don't know what the point of implementing the rules were. I don't know if there like this is where the sometimes again, now we're getting into like more deeper. Sometimes we forget the NCAA overseas division two and division three and i've seen some scumbags in division two and division three that the props might be inappropriate right so we all see it at the division one level who knows what's going on in you know wheeling west virginia on a saturday double yeah (laughs) double header and some kids bringing out who knows what like at the division two and division three level head coach has been in in the in the program for 45 years so he's basically seeing stars right it's like, out. yeah, he's yeah. he's giving the guy his handshake, and they're they're bringing out some paraphernalia that's you know well, pissing people yeah. off, rubbing people the wrong way. So that's kind of the the prop thing, but um, definitely big deal um, losing him. When you hit three eighty with power in the middle of your order, you, you can't lose a guy like that. So that's a huge deal. And and on the Indiana State side, you know, I've gotten to watch a little bit of Indiana State. To say for a team that looks like they're going to sweep the regional, I wasn't that impressed is probably a stretch, but I want like come back late against Iowa, come back late against a really, really good Wright State team. We've talked about Wright State as a program. They're really good. So, but had to come back late twice. Um, you know, their pitchers don't miss bats. They play good defense, all stuff like that. And, and great. Like that's impressive. But when I look at their path to Omaha, TCU is going to be the the top dog in that situation, assuming TCU is the one that comes out. Um, I would assume that they're going to be the favorite, especially the way they're playing ball right now. Braden Taylor's the best player in the country, um, it seems like, and he's definitely making himself some money. So I think they're going to be the favorite, even if Indiana State goes 3-0. Just Again, for a team that's going to go 3-0, a lot of comebacks, a lot of grit, which is fine. Like That's part of winning baseball games. But, you know, we've all seen that run out at some point. Yeah, and I mean, TCU's bats came alive today. And if that's the offense you're looking at um, for Indiana State and you have trouble missing bats, it's going to be tough. Because, again, you know, one of the most effective ways to keep, you know, rallies from from snowballing on you and big innings from snowballing is being able to strike guys out, right, and get the big punch out when you need it. And you got to have pitchers with the stuff to miss bats to do it. It's just interesting looking at it because, you know, going in, you, you you thought Arkansas, you know, their path was pretty dang good. 
they yeah. punt into that TCU team today. And and the thing that really stinks for them is is you give up 21 and then you got to turn around and like flush that because you got to play again. And Dave Van Horn was pulling guys, getting them off their feet in the fifth inning because they had weather delays. They played late yesterday. So like that, that was a tough break for Arkansas. You, get, um, you gave up 21 with your first round pick in the 2024 draft on the yeah. mound. Yeah. And he got yep. tagged for eight earned. Yeah. I mean, it plus. was not good. And, and you know, that's another, I mean, it's another regional there. Like, this is what makes it so fun. There's a host who now yeah. sit back and look, Santa Clara is feisty. So it's like, they've, yeah, they've no, had a really far good from the showing in this. Yeah, they've had a really good showing in this regional so far. And then just real quick on the, the I, I asked you about the ejection because. I look. I I rarely ever agree with umpires. You're right. That's probably how you should handle it. Is like giving them a warning there. But I also the other thing that I hate agreeing with is is angry mobs on social media and like True. the outrage of everyone. Like, how could you throw a kid out in this moment? And it makes me want to go. Well, you don't know what was said. Were you standing yes. in the middle of the infield when yeah. that happened? Like, yeah. Did we get a hot? Like, mic I don't want. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want to like, agree with those people either. Like the Indiana yeah. one, ridiculous ump show. Ridiculous. Like, come on. I know it's not supposed to happen. And you're right. You know, kids at the Division two, II, Division three level, we got closers closing games and rolling imaginary blunts on the mound and smoking <laughs> them. Like, like, you know. So, and you know, I was a, I was a part of a game where a kid bat flipped and the bat landed at the, the, the base of the mound and my pitcher, thankfully, I was like, oh, he's, he's going to launch this bat into their dugout. Luckily my pitcher, good kid just picked up the bat and walked it over to their, their you know, or tossed it towards their, you know, their, their dugout instead of launching it. Cause I thought he would probably, I wouldn't have blamed him, honestly. Like he almost got smoked by the bat after giving up a bomb. So you don't know what goes on in the NCAA on the celebration thing, but like, come on. This regionals kid brought out a chain, put it around his teammate's neck. They're 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 putting on robes in big league baseball. Like, yeah, yeah figure it out, figure that out. Sorry for ruining, and I apologize for ruining your segue. The there there should be some like feel for it, right? Like some like discretion. Yeah. Like the umpire has like the ability to be like, it's just a kid walking out with a chain versus the bat flip that goes to the pitcher's mouth. Um, so that's definitely, but Brady would like to tell everybody, all our listeners about SeatGeek. He's out there. He's, he's telling the, our neighbors that SeatGeek is the best ticketing website for, for all of your live event needs. Head over to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code backside ground ball. Um, again, backside ground ball and receive $20 off your first ticket purchase seat geek is huge we've talked a lot about the regionals so much fun you can get all of your tickets there the the atmospheres have been amazing you want to head out to rocky top next week you're out in louisiana and you want to head to alex box stadium you want to head up to winston-salem and wake forest make sure you check the weather before you go but make sure you get your tickets over at SeatGeek and receive $20 off. Huge opportunity for you. So like I said, when we open up the episode, our focus has been more on college baseball this weekend. It's been a lot of fun to watch, but the MLB is still in play. So um, we're going to read off on just kind of the results that we've seen. Obviously the Yanks and the Dodgers, which is probably the big series. They're currently playing on Sunday night baseball as we speak. Uh, So their series is not concluded but it is the rubber match today. 
But across the league, the Phillies take two of three from the Nationals. Our good friend of the pod, Matt Trait, got to meet Bryce Harper, which was pretty cool. Um, so just a little side note there after, you know, the backside ground balls give good mojo. So good luck meeting meeting Bryce Harper. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays took two of three over the Red Sox, and the Red Sox had some some disgusting plays across the weekend with little league home runs and and things like that some bad baseball the rangers swept the mariners mariners are absolutely reeling right now bryce miller's starting to get roughed up a little bit he's starting to take some lumps milwaukee brewers swept the cincinnati reds the blue jays came to queens and swept the mets um i'm sure there's a lot of sane Mets fans on social media at this point in time Astros took three of four from the Angels the Twins and Guardians split a four-game series the Marlins swept the Oakland Athletics shocker there the Oakland A's are just handing out sweeps Pittsburgh Pirates swept the St. Louis Cardinals and the St. Louis Cardinals pitching staff has been really good right now and their offense has gone bone dry and when it's going bad it goes bad when it rains, it pours and it's raining in St. Louis right now. Colorado Rockies took two out of three from the Kansas city Royals. White Sox swept the Tigers. The Cubs take two out of three from the Padres. Padres continue to absolutely reel right when you think they're taking a step forward. They take two steps back. The Braves on an Eddie Rosario grand slam down to their last out took Two of three from the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks showing that they are, in fact, legit and here to stay. And lastly, the Orioles continue their rise to the top of the AL East as they try to compete with the Tampa Bay Rays, taking two out of three from the Giants. So, Dan, what are your thoughts on some of the series that have unfolded over this weekend? Um, A lot to unpack, obviously, and I don't want to get too long-winded here. And I'm going to start with this. Uh. Matt Trait, good friend of the program, meets Bryce Harper. His son gets to meet him. It's pretty sick. Uh, who doesn't want to meet Bryce Harper? I would love to. Uh, seems like an awesome guy. I need to evaluate my life choices and who I surround myself with because there are far too many people in my life who don't find Bryce Harper attractive when I think he's one of the most attractive people on planet Earth. And either my my taste in people in, in is, is off or everyone I surround myself with is – um, I really thought you were going to have my back on that last night. You didn't, um, which was kind of disappointing. I, I believe you even, I believe the word creepy looking was thrown around. No, I like didn't say creepy looking. I did you not agreed creepy with creepy looking. looking. My wife said, I agreed. No, agreed. it said weird look. Like he's got like a weird looking face a little bit. Not creepy. I mean, creepy. Creepy's like creeper looking. I think of creepy that way. But like he's got like a little bit of a. Like guys, he's jacked and he's Bryce guys, Harper. Hold on, he has guys, nice top hair. top one percent in the world at what he does. Okay, that top doesn't make you any better looking physically. Call me shallow if you want, but yes, it does. Two jacked, absolutely ripped. Okay, tatted sucker for tats. Three unbelievable hair, great beard. I don't know what else you're looking for in a guy. I mean, face. Sign me up. Good looking face, face, great smile. I mean, uh, okay. I mean, that's beside the point. I just want to throw it out there. Just want to throw that out there. Um, it's a little bit d- disconcerting if you're me, and that's you surround yourself with those people. Um, the National League is really weird, and I think that's the biggest takeaway that I've had really going on two months. I think we've continued to sit and look at these teams that are struggling to get away from the start line still, and everyone's way. I mean, there's four playoff teams from last year 
And every single one of them, it's just kind of been disappointment from the start, all with high expectations going into the season. The Padres and Phillies, who threw around a ton of money, um, Padres and Philly, you know, the most money they've ever spent, uh, big free agent acquisitions. Uh, now for the Padres, Andrew Bogarts goes down. They're both five games under 500, which if you're sitting on June 4th and you're five games under 500, I know that the Braves turned it around and won a World Series. The Nationals turned it around and won a World Series. The Phillies turned it around last year and went to the World Series. But you can't you can't bank on that, right? Like that's not something you can sit back and say, okay, well, th- this happens every year, so we're going to be that team this year that's going to you know surprise everyone and go on a run. You can't trust that. It's way too hard. And the way that we've seen a little bit more parity this year, I would say it's even less realistic to kind of assume that and expect that to happen this year. Like you need to get off to a good start and bank wins so that when – you know, you get later into the summer in the dog days of August, you're in a good spot. And those two teams being five games under 500 is crazy. Uh, the Mets, you know, every time the Mets build a little bit of momentum, they sweep the Phillies, yep. they get swept by the Jays. You know, it's yep. just, it's, you know, that, and again, the most money that's ever been spent in Major League Baseball to put together a roster. And it's just not happening. That offense, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it was the starting pitching injuries or it's the offense and the power shortage outside of Pete Alonzo or Mark Canna, if he sees a Phillies uniform across the way, it's, you know, they, they can't get going. They're, they're sitting at 500. Uh, <clears throat> and then the Cardinals, who the Cardinals, you know, they're continu- they're now, what, 10 games under, nine games under? Um, that is just brutal. And like you said, when it's going bad, it's going bad. You, you know, it was starting pitching all, all year early on. And, you know, now it's, it's, uh, starting pitching's looking good, and the offense can't get going, and and they've just been stuck in mud since the word go, and you know they have the worst record in the National League, or one of the worst records in the National League. I guess the Rockies are kind of right there with them, and like to see that out of the Cardinals, an organization that's consistently no, a winner, the worst record in the NL. It is the worst record now. The worst swept, record so in like the it's, it, it's concerning to see, you know, for for them, and I don't I don't really have any answers. Luckily for the the first three teams I mentioned. The National League is kind of like that all over the place, and they have company, so they all still have a shot at making the postseason. But at some point, to be taken seriously, because especially with the Padres, Phillies, and Mets, what we've talked about this, your chips are in. There is no trade deadline move that's coming. Reese Hoskins for the Phillies isn't coming back. For the Padres, you've sold the farm for Juan Soto last year. You don't have any moves left. For the for the Mets, can you like do you? We've talked about this again. Do you? move those young guys, even though they're all relying on the young guys, right? They got the three young guys up in the lineup every day and it's still not working. What do you do here for those teams? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to complain about the Mets. You get to complain about Bryce Harper. I'm going to complain about Mets fans scrolling, getting a nice workout today. And I scroll through and see a tweet and my for you page is just full of successful. And it says, what Jeremy Barnes has done to Francisco Lindor this season should land him in Guantanamo. So, me, I look up, okay, Jeremy Barnes is the hitting coach for the New York Mets. Well, that's weird. I know the Mets have had three hitting coaches over the last three years. I I wonder where their hitting coach is from last year. Oh, Eric Chavez is their bench coach. (laughs) He's in the dugout. So now we're blaming hitting coaches for our $300 million players for struggling 
when it's just our $300 million players just might not be good enough, might not be as good as we expect. And that player himself, he's had three hitting coaches in three years, and he's never looked like the guy that's come over in the trade from Cleveland. So maybe, just maybe, as much as Mets fans want to defend Francisco Lindor the same way I'm sure Philly fans will defend Trey Turner, as they should, they're their guy, but... And I, Trey Turner just called a stray for no reason. I apologize to him and, and their fans. But big money guys, they they get they get they're defended from the from the fan bases. Nobody's turning on them. We're blaming we're blaming hitting coaches like Eric Chavez's office. It didn't just move down one door. Like his office didn't get like an extra five to six square feet bigger. Like he's still there. And and Francisco Lindor just had this perfect relationship with Eric Chavez. I'm sure Jeremy Barnes would completely understand it if Eric Chavez and Francisco Lindor were getting some cage time together. What like what are we complaining about? Like we're complaining about just for the sake of complaining. Like just admit that. You're complaining for the sake of complaining. Well, yeah, and that's what someone needs to explain this to me. And I think, you know, potentially there are times where me and you defend coaches too much because we were coaches, but there's this thing that happens in professional sports with fan bases that I don't understand. They really think that coaches have some special recipe. Like yeah. there's some secret fix, quick fix, like something that they do that makes like, you know, because it's been happening for weeks now with Phillies fans and, and people I know who have made comments to me in the radio station that shall be unnamed in Philadelphia that had a poll about should Rob Thompson be fired? Your $300 million players have to play like $300 million players. There is nothing a manager can do. There's nothing. I don't care if it's Rick Barnes or whatever his name is in, in the Mets hitting coach. Jeremy Barnes. Jeremy Barnes. Rick Barnes is the basketball coach. Jeremy Barnes or Eric Chavez, or Rob Thompson, or Buck Showalter, or Bob Melvin, or, or any of these Kevin people. Long? You talk about Kevin Long? They can't swing the bat for the guy. Like, you put together a roster. Like, what is the coach supposed to do? And I know, and, and, and the, one of the best and worst things that happened in the last year of my life was the Phillies going to the World Series. It was the best because I'm a Phillies fan and I enjoyed it. And October was great. One of the worst things was Joe Girardi gets fired. Rob Thompson gets going. The only thing that did, I truly believe, was those guys in the locker room. It wasn't that Rob Thompson had some secret sauce. Sure, he played the young guys a little more. That for sure. He trusted them. He made some better bullpen decisions, which is a flip of the coin. I will have, I will mention something. Oh, every time. Always. It always is. But what happened when the manager was fired last year in Philadelphia was those guys took a look at themselves and said, we just cost Joe Girardi his job. We better pick it up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that there were, there is no secret ingredient, like firing people love to fire coaches and think that's going to turn everything around. It doesn't when Francisco, like also did Francisco Lindor have an MVP season last year and I just missed it. Well, he was a top 10 finisher in the MVP, but it was very average. It was it good defense. Right. He right. was 780 OPS, like not, a nothing special. OPS. That's not I just like, said that. I'm going to fact check. Oh, okay. Back, Please but. fact check it. Because I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, he had good run production. He had good RBIs because the guys in front of him had great batted ball luck and he had more opportunities with runners and scoring. 788 OPS last season, finished you ninth know, in the MVP. You know your stuff. Tell the people you know your stuff. Um, but like my point is, is like Francisco Lindor, that's, that's not on a hitting coach. Francisco Lindor has to perform like Francisco Lindor, right? 
The hitting yeah, coach is 100%. also the same guy that's coaching Pete Alonso to lead the league in, 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 in home runs. Well, that's that's the Kevin Long complaint. Is so I went into another cesspool of twenty four seven message boards, twenty four seven message boards, and you know I was like, huh, let's see what they're talking. I was bored at work one day, and I'm on the Penn State message board where I get my football and news. And you had a Kevin Long de- thread. <laughs> no, I decide to click over in the Philadelphia Phillies oh. thread to see what the oh. what the fans are talking about. People are wanting Kevin Long getting fired because guys regress when they come to Philly, and like. Rightfully so. Like if I didn't understand like the nitty gritty, like a $300 million guy taking a huge step forward in any other sport could be a coach's fault. You know what I'm saying? Like it could yeah. be a system. It could be all these things, right? Like like you you think about it in other sports where that stuff does matter. But baseball is so individualized. Like he has no control over it. And guy was talking about how it's time to – oh, Kyle Schwarber can't hit like – yeah, but you're just a batting average guy, which is fine. Whatever, do your thing. Trey Turner's regresses, all these things like that. And I'm like, like he, in his head, he's like, the hitting coach has to go. But like, in reality, then like somebody else like responded to the guy was like, what about Brandon Marsh, Christian Pache, Alec Baum? Like, and then, oh, it was like Bryson Stott shouldn't be hitting. Like, it was like, guy had a whole ton of complaints and, um, in his in his mind, he's like this hitting coach must suck, and it's like, or or Trey Turner's just not good right now, right? And I'm not going to sit here and say it's a bad contract, but like he's just not good right now. Like that's not Kevin Long's fault. Kevin Long is giving him the information. Kevin Long, the pitching coach say, that has Aaron Nola pitching to a five, or are we firing Caleb Cotham too? Yeah, one hundred percent. Zach Wheeler can't get out of the, the third inning against the Nationals. Yeah, like after having his best outing of the year, which is just right. So, which goes to prove to you that it's not the coach's issue. That's not a coach's issue. No, that's what and I always also, say. If, I've always like been you, like that, though. Right, and to your point, if Kev, if Kevin Long's fault for Trey Turner, how about these numbers: three ten batting average, three fifty two on base, four ninety six slug for an eight forty eight OPS with seven homers and nineteen doubles on June fourth. You take that, right? Then does yeah, he get credit Marsh. for the steps forward that Nick Castellanos has taken no, Nick in Castellanos, year two yep. under them? Like, yeah, he didn't have a great year one, but in year two, Castellanos is having one of his best first halves in his career. Yeah. So, is Kevin Long – like, that's what I mean. Like, And I get it because when you're a fan and you're super passionate – this is the part I do understand. When you're a fan and you're super passionate you and you want your team to win so bad, you look for something to blame so that there's hope. Because if it's so hard to sit there and go, well, they just have to play better. That's not a great way to get your frustration out. You want to go pitchfork and torches at someone's doorstep to make the team play better. And Philadelphia, the blue collar, it's hard to play in this city. Attitude is always the look in the mirror. You know, they have guys on their NFL post game show in Philadelphia talking about how we never, you know, this team just doesn't have any fight. Like they're in the locker room yeah. every day. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, this roster is just bad, right? Like Carson Wentz has thrown, you know, three times the amount of interceptions as he had touchdowns, man. Like it's, it's, it's nothing to do this with some fight in the team. It's just bad. It's just bad ball. And so, yeah. like, I get that. You want to you wanna point at something and you want something to hold on to so that you have hope and a reason to to feel emotion and, and have hope at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes it's just not. And baseball in a 162-game season, it's it's tough. Yeah, and that's what I always said about managers. And again, I was a Washington Nationals fan, so I had to deal with the oh, manager geez. conversation on every on every street corner. It felt like, um, and every other year they, they had a new one. Yeah, it was every other year, and and whatever went into that, I don't know. I think the guy that they have now is going to be there as long as he wants to be there. It seems like, 
Um, they finally found a guy that fits what they want. He's comfortable there. Um, and But I was always like, is the culture good? That's a question I can't answer. Right. right? Are the vibes good? Do the guys like him? Okay, then they're doing their job, right? Because right. baseball is like, no matter who walks out of that bullpen door, we have the book. Like every manager has a binder in there that says, this is your best pitcher against this matchup. These three hitters. Okay, so here swings open the door, and you know, back in the day, Blake Trining comes trotting out. Boom, boom, boom. Walk, skip, pass ball, two run bomb, blown save. Oh, Dusty Baker sucks at his job. <laughs> Maybe Blake Trining could throw that ninety nine mile per hour bowling ball in the middle of the zone and just let guys hit it on the ground. We'd be in good position to, to have success, right? And like that could have been the analytically the best matchup, and things could still go wrong because it's humans, right? We're not playing out of the park baseball on a computer simulator. Right. That's not how it works. Like no matter who swings open, because how does that guy's arm feel? All of those factors come into play. Like why do they bring in the righty against the two when? Two of the next three hitters are lefties. Well, how's your lefty's arm feel, right? We see this with Aaron Boone way, 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 oh. way too much. Why are we throwing Clay Holmes when two lefties are? Well, because Wandy Peralta's thrown seven of the last eight days. Right. <laughs> like he's right. he's rubber arm. He's got to get a day <laughs> off, and they don't have any other lefties in the pen. What do you want him to run, run Nestor Cortez's uh, <laughs> side day in the in the game? Like it's they're playing for Game <laughs> Seven of the World Series. Yeah, like it's just it's absurd, and it seemed like. You know, when push comes to shove, do the guys like them? You know, do they understand what the management wants from the roster? Right? Are we putting the guys in the right spots? Like, are we not pulling on the opposite ends of the rope? Which in in baseball today, you wouldn't have a job if you weren't you know in lockstep with your general manager and in the building of your roster. And and are you good with the media? Like, that's pretty much what it takes to be an MLB manager. And whether you win a World Series has nothing to do with your decision making. I don't think so. I, it, no, it's hard. It, it's it's so there is so little, and like football is the biggest sport in our country, and so everyone understands football more. And yes, football coaches have way more to do with the outcome of games. You're calling oh, yeah. the play. You're scheming. Practice is so important. Baseball, it's not so much. Again, it's not a video game. These are real human beings and say what you want about baseball athletes. It is a mental sport. It's a mental first sport a lot of times, right? Like you get in your head. That's why you Mm -hmm. see, I mean, anybody can come up in the major league baseball and have a day, right? Yep. And you have to be a, a therapist or a psychologist. That's so much like you're so right. Is the culture good? Do the guys in the room like each other and like you? How are the vibes? That is mm-hmm. so much of baseball because it's contagious and it's there. It's so mental that that's as a manager, that's your biggest thing. That's your biggest thing. Now you can manage teams out of, out of games, right? Like it's possible if you're constantly, get, you know, if you're taxing your bullpen, but that's really the biggest thing. Lineup construction, a little bit. Lineup construction to me is so overblown. How many wins Wait. and losses are given to lineup construction? Like it's again, it's chance. Does it matter who's hitting fourth if one through three aren't getting on base? But that day or that weekend or that two week stretch, so what? You're supposed to flip the lineup again because again, guys are mental and like. For me, lineup construction is putting guys where they're comfortable and sticking with yeah. it for as long as you can. That's your lineup yeah. construction as a manager. 
And and like that, people again, yes, people just want to put way too much on managers in Major League Baseball. There's not like, sorry to break it to the coaching profession out there, like you're not that important. You're not that important in wins and losses in baseball. You're not. Well, it's just the facts. Call it what it is. The ones who want to put their stamp on it. You know who you are. Do a and bad you probably job, don't typically. win the big games. Well, they probably don't win the big games because you're trying to have right. creative control instead of just letting guys play, right? right? Like that's that's the most important thing is just being like, go out, play ball. Like that's it, just and, play and ball. I, and it's hard. It's hard, and, and that takes a while to learn. And I think that's why you see some, sometimes so many bad coaches or bad-tempered coaches is because you're right. You have to let the guys play and to not have any control over the outcome, even though you're invested in the outcome. It's the same thing with fandom, right? Like why people get so passionate and upset is because they, they had, they care so much about what teams win, what team wins, but they have absolutely no control. Like again, baseball coaches, like you don't have that much control over what happens and that's tough to swallow sometimes. That's really tough to swallow, but you know, what's not tough to swallow. What's I can only imagine. What's that? Ten <laughs> percent off at routine baseball You're right. for your order. You're right. uh, so for anybody who's interested, for all of our listeners out there across the United States, all the way to Singapore and Germany, I know you guys are out there. We see the downloads. Make sure you're heading over to routine.com slash backside ground balls. Sorry, routine.com slash backside ground ball. No S, no S, and receive 10% off your order today. Routine Baseball has all of your clothing needs. Routine Baseball offers a ton of options from shirts, hoodies, shorts, sunglasses, and any baseball style you could imagine. Head over to routine.com slash backside ground ball and check out all the options. Dan, I know you love your shorts that you're rocking. Take a second and, and talk a little bit about routine baseball swag. It's all I want to wear. I need to I need to get some more. Hopefully the uh, team at routine can uh, hit us up, give us some more stuff. The, the, the short sleeve hoodie I rocked Friday night. It was so comfortable. I'm a huge short sleeve hoodie guy. Um, so I'll take about six more of them. The shorts are fantastic. Waterproof, I learned uh, yesterday. Not because it was raining, even though there was a weather delay, but because I spilled some water on myself. Um, but they were waterproof, so no issue. Um, they look great. They're honestly probably the most comfortable shorts I own. Um, can't beat routine stuff. They look good. They look cool. I felt like I was young and hip again. It was great. <laughs> That's a lie. You weren't. I did feel. Again, I, I, I was feeling. You might have felt it, but but you, I didn't. Yeah, I'm it. sure. Yeah, yeah. No, you did. You That's did. Fine. You look good. You look good. It's all right. Thanks, but man. so uh, obviously, we're super excited about our partnership with Routine. But let's look ahead at, at some of our midweek matchups. Obviously, like I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, a little bit of college, a little bit of professional, uh, but a ton of good baseball still to be played as the night concludes here and into tomorrow. Um, across the college game, but across the MLB landscape, we got the Tigers heading to Philadelphia to take on the Phillies, Twins heading to Tampa Bay to take on the Rays, the Royals head to South Florida to take on the Marlins, Diamondbacks are heading east to take on the Nationals, Oakland plays the Pirates in the Battle of the Low Payrolls, the White Sox head to New York to take on the Yankees, Astros are heading up north to the Great White North, Toronto, to take on the Blue Jays. Red Sox are heading to Cleveland to take on the Guardians. Dodgers are coming east to take on the Reds. 
the Mets are taking on the Braves in a series that probably will matter a lot more on social media than it will in results. The Orioles are taking on the Brewers. Cardinals are taking on the Rangers, heading down to Texas. The Rangers are hot right now. Giants are heading south. Sorry. Giants are heading east to take on the Rockies. Uh, the Cubs are continuing their West Coast swing and taking on the Angels. And lastly, in a series of underperforming teams, the Mariners are taking on the Padres. So, Dan, any closing thoughts on those series before before we get out of here? Yeah, um, I have. I'm going to throw some superlatives at these series um, for you, Trev. I'm going to give you the uh, the CAC. Why are we even bothering playing this? No one wants to be watching this series of the week, and that's going to be the A's and the Pirates. Uh, I can't imagine that stadium will be full, or anyone will even be tuning in. Uh, two teams that aren't enjoyable to watch. Uh, I got the 30 year old uh, guy who's still living in mom's basement, disappointment, son, uh, drunk at every family outing series of the week. And that's the uh, Mariners and Padres, two teams we had high expectations for, flunked out of school, um, has a little bit of a drinking problem, but not one that anyone wants to recognize. Um, kind of was a great high school athlete, though. Great high school athlete. Right, right, right. We thought we had high expectations, flunked out of school. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that one. And then, oh, that's a pleasant surprise. Series of the week is the um, <clears throat> the Orioles and the Brewers, two first place teams uh, that don't get enough uh, probably love or attention. They do on this podcast because we're fans of both organizations. Love it. Love it. I, I got nothing to close with that. So um, that'll conclude for the episode. That's a perfect way to end this episode. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to the episode today. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you're you find your podcast as well as YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube page. We post some shorter content. We go live on there three day, three times a week. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Always hitting your feed at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. And most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends. But until next time, we'll see you guys on the next episode.